0: Ryan Oakey, how you doing, buddy?
1: Doing pretty good, Corey. Great to see you. Been a while. It,
0: it's been it's been way too long. We haven't done one of these in months. Things just months. kept kind of coming up for us. We got slammed by holidays and mm, then, just, you know, life. Um, life. So uh, let's see here, our topic for the day. It's funny because we originally had this idea to do last month, but we ended up postponing our show. Um, we were originally scheduled to do a show on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And then we said, you know what? I think we kind of want to spend a little time with our significant others. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> we decided to push it back to this month. So <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about inhabiting the integral heart. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, I don't know about you, but this has, been, um, this has been a topic that's been really generating a lot of heat for me lately, mm-hmm. um, just as I continue to have conversations with folks, mostly mm-hmm. online, and I notice just how much of a poverty of heart there seems to be just in the system right now,
2: mm-hmm.
0: particularly in our online interactions and communications. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's we often in shows like this talk about sort of the grandeur of the of the integral mind. Mm-hmm. How sophisticated the integral mind is, how integrative it is, how much clarity it can it can bring to us, and how much it helps us to make more sense of of the world that we find ourselves in. And I feel like not quite enough attention is being paid to developing the integral heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my sense is when you have an imbalance, when you have a, a a really sort of you know developed integral mind and you're sort of lacking that integral heart, well, it reminds me of that old, cliche what was that cliche science without religion is is lame religion without yeah, yeah. science is blind i mean that kind yeah, of yeah, feels like sort it. of sort of like the relationship between heart <clears throat> and science. yeah and uh, i'm hoping that that is something that we can um address today yeah yeah i
1: mean we call a show and habit and you know starting from one perspective if like you know well physically we literally have a heart we literally have a brain and you know we can have a felt sense of do I feel this part of myself you know Mm -hmm. even just in a physical awareness and if we have a hard time sensing that that's indicative of fragmentation from ourselves let alone our our contact with um, others in Mm -hmm. in our environment Um, but then also if we sense into different qualities that aren't just physical and where we tend to experience them whether we say just in general feelings you know heart thoughts mind or chakra systems and things like that you know we can sense of like hey is there fragmentation or not so I sometimes I even like to start in a very simple way of like even just for yourself you know for a moment like if this is already part of who you are then why not why not include it it's yeah. it's it's only at a cost to yourself from that perspective yet when we inhabit the heart we know it's not just about ourselves it's about <laughs> our relationships and being a part of the world
0: yeah. No, that's, that's, that's one sort of the fascinating thing about this topic is the more I feel into it, the more clear it becomes to me that the heart is sort of this intersection point between so many of our sort of conflicting realities, mm-hmm. you know, and when it comes to talking about the heart integrally, there's any number of ways that we can sort of frame it, we can talk about the heart developmentally as sort of a a, a stage or a chakra, for mm-hmm. example, yep. we can talk about heart uh typologically right yep. there are heart types there are yep. head types there are body types for example right. uh, that's from the enneagram system but i know there's yep. a lot of other yep. typological systems right. that, that right. sort of you know frame it in a similar way uh <laughs> yep. we can talk about heart uh across all four quadrants we can talk about our intent in the upper left the our behaviors in the upper right our connections and communities and relationships in the lower left and our Mm -hmm. overall engagement and our sense of drive and purpose Mm -hmm. in the lower right yeah and then you know i think another fascinating way to look at this is to is to look at heart from the perspective of the path of opening up Mm -hmm. um which is which is a frame that ken Wilber uses when he is inviting us to uh, to basically invoke as many of our multiple lines of intelligence
2: mm-hmm.
0: as possible. So when we're mm-hmm. talking about heart, you know, we can we can talk about how the cognitive line influences mm-hmm. our our experience of heart. Mm-hmm. We can talk about, you know, you, you you can only love what you can see, for mm-hmm. example. And yep. if things are cognitively going over right. your head, yes. that's a that's that's yeah. a heart connection you can't have with, with sort of those, as, those facets mm-hmm. of reality. We yeah. can talk about the uh, heart in terms of the interpersonal line, right? Mm-hmm. which I think is probably where m- most people go to that in the emotional line right? when they think about heart. We can also talk about the heart in terms of the intrapersonal line, which is mm-hmm. where our sense of self-love, for mm-hmm. example, comes yeah. from. And of course, our, our sense of self love is going to be impacted by our defenses line. We have all sorts of defenses and armaments that are oftentimes designed to protect us from the excesses of other people's hearts,
2: mm-hmm.
0: as an example. Yeah. We yeah. can talk about heart in terms of morality and ethics, mm-hmm. right? And actually, sort of trying to carry the heart out into the yeah. world and to enact what's right and what is just Mm -hmm. um and of course we can talk about uh heart in terms of the spiritual line Mm -hmm. um you know and and funny enough spirituality the spiritual intelligence often uses things like love um as as sort of the ultimate answer to all Mm -hmm. of our ultimate questions Mm -hmm. so all of these i think sort of impact you know how we want to have conversations like these oh and we can also talk about the heart in terms of states of consciousness or even bodies we have the gross heart as you were talking about we're walking around with these with these you know pumps in our chest um (laughs) we can talk about the subtle heart Mm -hmm. and we can talk about the causal heart and actually Mm -hmm. i've got a couple really really great clips with uh Mm -hmm. my dear friend roly stanich which i'll play a little bit later in the show where he talks about sort of all three of those hearts yeah. So man, what a, what an organ. <laughs> no, it's really
1: great. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah. It's an interesting word. Um, cause it's so immediate. And I mean, most of everybody <laughs> uses it in some way or form or fashion. Like it's a natural part of our vocabulary and to overly define it and limit it would I don't know seem to be missing the point. Um, so it's helpful to say like, here's all of these things that it could be referring to within ourselves and in the world. Um, And also I always like to, I've given this disclaimer many times, but it's kind of like to help get everybody into the room on this. Mm -hmm. And that's that uh, the mind is part of who we are. And so this is not one of those things of like, get out of your head and get in your heart. No, stay you. Why would you want to get out of a part of yourself just to get into another part of yourself? It's actually possible to be present in your mind and heart. So just to kind of disarm that, that that's just not what we're saying here. So this is like, we focus a lot on mind in the Integral community. That gets spoken about a lot, just implicitly, yep. if not explicitly. And so here we're just saying, let's spend some time focused with heart, um, and the mind can be heartful as well. You know, so that's yes. that's great. Um, but no need to fragment it or turn you know parts of ourselves into enemies.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 really well said. And um, you know, not only I think is that an invitation not to sort of create these these internal struggles and conflicts right Mm -hmm. to turn ourselves into an enemy yeah also to turn each other yeah that's what happens next right yeah that's (laughs) right because you know because and forgive me if i sound like a 14 year old like emo (laughs) right (laughs) now but the phrase that keeps popping up in my head is you know the internet is a playground for the mind and a prison Uh for the heart and Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds very emo i mean i could (laughs) (laughs)
1: no but uh it's really interesting i mean like depending on the communities like i i think uh well at least there's different i know little integral pockets right where people have conversations but some of them are very mind heavy and then in which case the heart yeah gets really lost in there other parts of the internet not talking about integral it's all over the place. It's like some people are coming really from mind. Some people are coming from more reactive hearts and not so much mind awareness or perspective. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so for me, it always goes back to like uh, full, more fullness of embodiment, you know, and, and everybody's really different. I think it's really important that some people are really our heart types. Like we talked about, you know, so the typology matters because then it influences all the other stuff we mentioned, a heart yeah. type is going to be heartful, or looking towards the heart and all those different areas and dimensions of being and engaging and mind types will be the other way our body types will be the other way so enneagram gives us a nice little system to look at so some people listen to this very much might be a heart type and this may just be a show of like ha, ah, yeah. finally my home you know and, other, and then other people might be very heavily mind and might be like maybe very interested this is not what i normally do or go like ugh come on let's not deal with this so right. you know paying attention to where we're all predisposed but like in inhabit we haven't had this episode which is kind of surprising it's like i think we bring a heartfulness a lot into different discussions we have but we haven't had one focus completely on heart
0: yeah no it's totally true and you know that's i see that as one of the interesting things about integral is that you know oftentimes we don't necessarily treat these things as like their own separate channel you know like spirituality for example i mean it's it's one thing you know most of us have a spiritual practice we have a sort of a a set of spiritual translations that we apply to the world and and so forth. But with integral, I think, again, the invitation here is to allow that spirit to permeate and radiate through everything, all of our conversations, right? There's no real separation between, you know, our spiritual sort of practice Mm -hmm. over here. We we don't, we don't keep that apart from Mm -hmm. everything else. It's all an expression of spirit. It's all spirit at play. It's all heart. play Mm -hmm. you know um in in that same sense and i think that that's that's particularly important for us to remember again when we are interacting with each other particularly when we're interacting with each other in very sort of verbal um verbal only text only spaces like facebook and twitter and etc it's 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 different when we are face to face like we are here today on zoom right there's like You can feel more of that heart transmission between two subjects it's 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 not as easy to make, you know, to make each other into purely objects only the way we tend to do when we're online and you know it just keeps on impressing on me that 98% of online interactions would never happen if these people were face to face. Right, right.
1: Probably ever seen that meme uh or not i mean it's a short little video but people make it about this meme of two dogs on (laughs) either side of that fence and (laughs) and then the fence moves and they're just like okay and they chill out it's kind of like that except worse in a certain way because there's not even with that fence there's not even the visual you know so a lot of times there is something we've talked a lot about this about how uh web 2 (laughs) and everything Mm -hmm. along with it's created you know there's there's not an opportunity to always have like, Oh, here's who I am. You see me while you're reading this text or getting a feel for me, you just see words, text on a screen. And yeah, that's, it's a hard thing to overcome even with the best of intentions. So it requires almost extra effort versus like sitting right across from somebody. It's going to be easier to access the heart. You know, somebody we see in real time, how their body and eyes and whole demeanor shift or impact based off of what we're saying. And likewise, you know, that's right. so it's under understandable, but this is probably why we have to work with the heart even more is because of how challenging uh, being engaged online in the pandemic last two years, that's just been a necessity. And even though now it feels like in at least United States here, we're definitely, we're coming out into a new, time period in the pandemic you know a lot of mandates have dropped and we're just out and getting back out in the world but still we're fully engaged it's like we're part of online we're on zoom still we're on that's right. twitter and facebook so it's not going anywhere that's right you know and if anything more is coming like with vr and things like this and then we yeah. have lots of um, still the meta crises and, and new crises you know with the war in uh, ukraine you know so it's bringing up a lot more around the heart than how we're engaging and regardless of any specifics around anything we don't have to say specifics and and even though i know there's been a lot been discussed for example about the war we just know that like it brings up a lot of heart stuff that's right regardless so it's like okay what are we doing with that that's right.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's particularly challenging when as, you know, as you're as you're sort of alluding to web 2.0, you know, the sorts of connectivity that web 2.0 created is more like a lower right quadrant connectivity. We we yeah, created a, a a system of objects, right? And that's mm-hmm. how we tend to treat each other as objects. So we objectify each other's views and each other's values and we draw conclusions about sort of the, you know, how much we value each other yep. based on these objectifications of each other's interiors and you know i i think what we're waiting for is that new technological paradigm right that actually puts us more in proximity to each other in the lower left so it becomes a system of subjects not just a system of objects and i think that if and when that occurs we're going to find it a little bit easier to drop some of these sort of... that um, makes sense. The political fetishizations that we make yeah. and the identities and the overemphasis yeah. on identity, which is really, you know, as it occurs on on places like Facebook, it really is like, I'm going to turn all of my subjects into objects and I'm just going to present them for the world to see. And yeah. then you you kind of begin to convince yourself that you are those objects. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because
1: a very... Spiraling out kind of process, but it seems like if in those new formats or web, you know, what's emerging as being called Web three, which is still it, it's bubbling up big time right now, and I know it's still taking a form, and I'm a rookie at understanding it all, but like all those forms will emerge out of our own heartfulness. So if we're all tired of feeling a lack of heart within ourselves and others when we're engaging online, then there'll be more motivation to seek new forms externally, you know, in in Web three that will be infused with heartfulness. So it's like, how do we cultivate the heartfulness within ourselves and with each other wherever we can and, and even taking up the challenge to do that online. So it's like, yeah, everything is an object. I almost visualize it as a conveyor belt, like, here's a tweet from Corey, process this, put it over here, whatever, you know, it's like, that's what it is. It's like an object coming through the stream. It's not a real time engagement like this, you know? And so it's really hard. So like, I have to try to inhabit the heart and still experience myself as a subject and realize that whoever produced this digital object is a subject right and this is really hard we see this a lot of of treating it that way you know in in the current version of cancel culture and like pluralism everything is an object that that kind of just maintains itself (laughs) you know so in in so many different ways it's like yeah how do we integrate that and it seems to be pointing back to the subjectivity which is very tender You know, when I feel into it for myself, it's like, there's more tenderness there. Yeah. Less rigidity for better or worse. There's vulnerability, right? So it's like, it doesn't, mind can produce all kinds of craziness as much as it does wisdom. The heart can produce all kinds of beautiful things as well as really unhelpful reactivity, but the quality that permeates
0: it is tenderness. Mm, That's beautifully said. And, and ideally that tenderness is, is sort of a. A natural emanation of Mm-mm. a truly integral mind, right? I mean, we can talk about this either structurally, or we can talk about it in terms of of states. Yep. Uh, you know, for example, in the big mind Buddhist practice, mm-hmm. big mind and big heart are seen as sort of the two chambers of the living universe in a certain way. Yeah. And big mind is, you know, obviously about accessing this kind of primordial, timeless uh, witness consciousness. That can really hold and behold everything, yep. right? Everything just kind of slides across the sheen of, of, of big mind. But the natural sort of radiation coming out of big mind, yes. the natural eminence of big mind is a yes. big heart, which Very, I think yeah. forms both sides of Ken wilbur's equation hurts more, bothers you less. That's the yeah. heart, big mind, right there and we can
1: take this beautifully said Corey. yeah and we can take it further and realize non-duality in the sense of like those two aren't are never separate that's right now it's really interesting in in a buddhist approach in a lot of ways you know there'll be an emphasis on mind although that's not always true with like some tibetan buddhist deity you know like uh but you know mm-hmm. so we can feel like mind is over here and heart is over here but in the end it's like we have this uh, practice we adapted uh, in Buddhist geeks and social meditation from Ram Das. There's a guided meditation from Ram Das that then somebody put some nice music on and it's really lovely, but it's on loving awareness. Mm-hmm. And um, he's in, and gives us guided meditation on loving awareness. And the phrase that he uses is I am loving awareness. I I love everything that I'm aware of. Um, and it's really interesting because perhaps for mind types, <clears throat> it'll, we'll look at, uh, uh, I'm, I'm an Enneagram four, so Same. I don't know. It's a temp heart type, but obviously I spend a lot of time mine. So maybe it's a little bit of both, but look at the love. It's like, Oh, this is something we cultivate. It's not something inherent where we can talk about the nature of mind, not being created, not being destroyed, not having a beginning, not having an end unchanging, unwavering. And, and we can rest as that. Yes. And then the proliferation of thoughts and mental activity occurs. Okay. And we can work with that. But we can also distinguish that in heart, that there is a state of being or a quality of being that is heartful. Yes. And, and that's what I feel like we access like the four measurables or Avla Kitteshwara is that like right now through often like a meditative absorption, we can experience this deep love that is ever present. Then the difference is when we go out in the world, we don't, or <laughs> you know, our identity with that quality our ability to translate that into our embodiment. That's where we talk about structure and like all yeah. growing up and the healing and things like that. And I find both really, really important. I wouldn't want to sacrifice either one of those is just say like how relieving and how lovely that we can taste this kind of deep uh, pervasive limitless love right now. Mm-hmm. And that's very nourishing. It can be encouraging for me. And then feeling really humble and knowing that like both the nature of mind and love, and if we just say loving awareness, we can access both those qualities right now. But the translation of it, even in the mind, even if your mind type translate that into like really wise and helpful (laughs) mental engagement that takes form in the world, takes a lot of work yeah well, oh that's going process <laughs> that's that's
0: yeah and that and that invulnerable part of of the heart that aspect yes. of the heart. you know i've, I've heard that referred yeah. to i've heard ken refer to that as um i know this isn't ken's ken's poetry but you know um that's i, yeah. I got it from him the infinite drop of the heart mm, I've always loved that expression i've always loved that expression and mm. he he actually describes the infinite drop of the heart as being sort of that sort of um depository of wisdom and compassion mm-hmm. that is actually what incarnates from lifetime to lifetime if that mm-hmm. is sort of a metaphysic that appeals to you as an audience member um that's that's how ken often frames it it's not that Corey is reincarnating it's that the accumulated wisdom and the compassion mm-hmm. is sort of stored mm-hmm. in this infinite drop of the heart and mm-hmm. that infinite drop is what sort of cycles through that. manifestation again and again and i've always that's I've a always, great phrase yeah yeah, That's that. great. That's wonderful. You know, and I think the other piece that, that you're talking about, too, is, is the difference between sort of an absolute heart and then sort of the relative heart, because the yeah. relative heart is always just sort of by necessity going to have to make compromises and is going to have to value some things more than others. And, you know, sometimes the most hurtful expression, for example, is to... um Curtail evil when you see it, and oftentimes mm-hmm. curtailing evil, evil means bringing violence into the world. So now we're mm-hmm. talking about violence as an expression of the heart, and that starts yeah. to feel sort of right. contradictory. But I think that the more we can presence ourselves with this, you know, sort of this this um, very very thin line that is being drawn between the absolute and the relative, because of course the absolute is the relative, and the relative is the absolute right from a certain way of looking at Mm -hmm. it um nonetheless i think that we have to figure out how that that universal timeless heart finds its expression in the world and that's where mind comes in that's where mind becomes really really important because you know particularly at integral levels you know my sense is that the integral mind differentiates the integral heart integrates now, Of mm, course, totally. there's aspects of heart that can differentiate and there's aspects of mind that can integrate. But to yeah. me, that's what bringing these two chambers together. That's sort of the, mm, the, yeah, the, the potential totally. that's, that's unlocked by bringing these two into alignment with each other. And of course, we can get pathological in either direction. You know, we, I mean, Ken, even in the 2010, it's listed in, in, in Sex, Ecology, Spirituality, talks about, you know, evolution brings with it increased differentiation and increased integration. Right? In mm-hmm. other words, every stage has more differentiations than the previous stage, and therefore there's more to integrate when we're moving up to the next stage. Now, Ken mentions either one of those can go pathological. Mm-hmm. And as you know, and, and what that looks like in terms of the human hold on at an integral stage is that we can get lost in differentiation, which I think is is sort of mm-hmm. a common pathology that we see in the internet world or sort of the, the, uh, the online tip of the integral movement either, or, mm-hmm. right. Which can be sort yeah. of, um, it can get loud. It can get sort of, uh, raucous. People really like to, you know, disagree with each other. For example, that's all a product of the differentiating mind. But I think yeah. what often gets left behind is that, is that sort of next beat of bringing heart to pull this together. And I think, you know, for me in my experience as a heart type myself, um that's that's what i try to lead with i try to genuinely and i don't always get it right (laughs) right yeah but i I try to genuinely lead with a sort of a curiosity and humility that simply says you know what i probably disagree with your conclusions here but i want to inhabit your perspective so that i can glean whatever wisdom it is that you have to, to share with me right now even yeah. if like politically or ethically or morally i i i couldn't disagree with your conclusions more than i do but i still want to step into it i still want to find sort of that seed that partial truth that is for whatever reason sitting in my own blind spot so i can pull that in and that feels like an exercise of heart to me using mind as sort of a tool and a technology to get at that partial truth and then and then to, mm-hmm. to sort of pull it in
1: yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, I like how you said this, uh, minds differentiating. Uh, is, that, minds is that how you differentiate, said? Yeah, minds yeah, differentiate and, and heart, and heart so integrate. It. And I think what's interesting here, so like, again, in the end, these qualities, we want to be able to say qualities, dimensions, aspects of ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, are simultaneous, okay? So they're not compartments and, and things we in, in, interact with selectively, but in formal practice, we can have focus, right? And it's like to feel into that, like, what is the, how does these two kinds of practices, like if I want to work with mind and if I want to work with heart, how do they feel different? What's the, what's the flavor? If you want to say that, what's mm. the, how's the flavor different? Well, mind has some of that, like a sharpening a lot of times. I mean, like a refinement, a discernment, we talk about discerning wisdom, right? Which means differentiation in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, pinpointing, mm-hmm. things like that. And now we can identify with ultimate of like the vast nature of mind. But then if we talk about working with it more specifically, all these kinds of things come up, right? Yeah. Concentration, attention. Blah, blah, blah. But What about heart? What would we say? And if I try to have my heart now, it's not about that. It's not a, a as a separate practice, not about discernment. It is about in an in, in integration, inclusion, a touching, a relating. Like I want to feel you. I want to, Mm -hmm. and or if I feel a block to my heart, I want to let this block dissolve. And of course, if we're really, if we're scared, if we have some trauma or anything around that, we can have defense mechanisms that say, no, don't do that. And we might have to listen to that because you can't push past that. Or for mind types, we say, no, 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 but I got to, I got to stay within this discernment. But like right now doors are closed right here in my formal practice. I just want to feel that. Right. So there is some sense of feeling directly relating to what's going on and that can inform wisdom right that can inform mm-hmm. mind like what am i feeling uh how, how is this what's manifesting in this relationship you know so i don't know something to, i just seem to put that as a question how do these two kinds of practices differ and see and if we don't say they differ well maybe it's cuz we want to say we're resting in that kind of non <laughs> dual uh quality there or it might just be like lack of actual discernment. <laughs> so right. we can apply mind to that and say no let ourselves go into the practice deeply and then within it speak from that or at least
0: afterwards kind of describe it you know and that yeah. can be really
1: indicative of where we're at with these
0: two you know mind and heart. Uh that's beautiful. That's beautiful and and I think it is important to consciously you know I, this is another sort of thing that I've repeated a lot that you know we need to Consciously inhabit a type of embodied heart-based mindfulness on the internet that we unconsciously do when we are face to face, and that's the yeah. challenge. That's the challenge is that we have to almost turn our online interactions into a an ongoing micro practice of exercising heart in real time. And there's, I think, a few interesting ways that that um, that we can do that. You know, one of my favorite things, for example, is I'll just open up like my Twitter feed. For example, and I won't read the messages. I'll just go face by face down the stream, and I'll do a short little tongue len practice for each of those. Mm, people. Some people it's... I know, I can recognize. Some people I don't know, and I uh, and I'll probably never talk to. But there's something about that that seems to help tenderize me. Well, yeah, Corey, this, you know? this is very important. You're giving a
1: real time example for me of what I was just describing. You do that. You choose it. So how does that feel different? You're not sitting there processing the information in the in that. It's just a, a, it's a, it's a relational thing, Tong Lin. And if people aren't phrase, familiar with Tong Lin, you know, you know, a wishing, genuine wishing that people are, are free of suffering. And even so far as to say that, like, I'm giving over all my goodness and all my happiness so that they can be happy. And I'm taking all their sufferings, like there's a bandwidth there, but it, whether it's light or the full on, that's all it is. It's all, yeah. it's a relate. It, all there is, is relating and, yeah. and feeling and, and being in the heart. There's no. There's no discernment of like some tonglin for you, not so much for you, right. uh, you know. Like no, it's just right. like everybody tonglin. Yeah. And again, it's a it's a formal practice. You know, I'm mean? gonna probably I imagine it influences how you then later engage because you're doing it with hundred percent, yeah, people that you actually have interactions with. Yeah. But that's really a good example, I think, of like how that feels different than than mind practices.
0: Well, it's funny because it, what it does for me, sort of the, the tactile sort of um, response that I get from doing it or the sensation that I feel is it, it takes that little sort of blank rectangle that I type my words into. Yeah, it it, it, it warms it up. Like usually that's yeah. like a very cold and disconnected little window. But if I do yeah. the Tonglen practice, it's like, I'm turning on the radiator in that little yeah. rectangle. And then whatever yes. I put into that rectangle is going to itself be a little bit warmer, maybe hopefully a little bit more respectful of whoever it is I, I happen to be talking to. And and um, and yeah, so that that helps me, especially when I'm feeling particularly activated by something. Like, okay, someone just said something that like just instantly went under my skin. I can feel my shadow responses kind of gearing up. I can feel almost this kind of Wrathful energy (laughs) bubbling up, like from you know the bile in my belly and kind of like you know (laughs) my spine, and that's when I I have to sort of catch myself and like okay let's let's take a few breaths let's actually breathe for this person who for whatever reason just pissed me off maybe they are an idiot maybe I'm an idiot who knows? And honestly, at the end of the day, who cares? Because we're all in a very real sense in this together. And our obligation is to do whatever we can to reduce suffering for one another, while also, you know, hopefully, bringing more clarity, more sense making more sort of sophisticated perspectives to bear. All that is 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 true, too. But I think it's got to start from that, that place of warmth, right? That, That basic sort of human respect that, again, is so easy for us to offer to each other when we are face-to-face, but is becoming an increasingly scarce resource the yeah. more our society kind of transitions to living our lives online. That's lovely. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to, to notice, like,
1: how does that motivation come up such like what you just said, that I want to take a moment to breathe mm. because of I, I want to show up whatever better relationally with more warmth with more love that's interesting there's a moment where there is a pause and -hmm. like to to even hunt for that pause like what makes that pause arise such that then there's heartfulness cultivated yeah I mean part of it would be like checking in with our motivations you know of like why am I interested in integral why am I trying to play this and like to slow down even from the mind perspective you know of like am I really interested or, or was it just superficial for a moment? And that's okay too, because I think like starting wherever we're at, a lot of times with heart, it's again, tender and oftentimes starts much more simply than I think we want. Like, it's not as big fireworks. We talk about are like, yeah, let's go big mind, you know? And heartfulness is often like very humbling. So it might be like recognizing, gosh, I've been going full on with this integral thing and you know talking a lot and then when i really feel into it i realize humbly i haven't really brought it down into my body or like or i lose myself and i'm not really being so thoughtful or, or kind and that'll that'll maybe sting a little bit or, or be tender in a heavy way and then that's okay that's great that's heartfulness too to work with that and then to say okay now how can i stay in touch with this and speak from that place you know even yeah. and who cares? I often like to just suggest to people in the to simple heartfulness is like, Hey, if there was a little kid who was needing some help having a hard time, well, how would you reply? What would you do? And usually there's, unless there's a, a lot of big trauma with that, which could be, you know, they can't yeah. access that. But if, if that's possible, then there's some heartfulness that arises. It's very simple, very direct. It's not so complicated, right? Just like mm, hug, say, how yeah. you doing? You know, yeah. something like that. It's not that it's not profound. Like we're not doing deity practice, whatever, but we can access that. So, or if it's with a pet, you know, if we have pets, anything that uh, I remember actually, like, uh, that was given as an instruction with avalokiteshvara Lama Lena talked about that, you know, mm. start, like with, uh, in simple ways, like, you know, we, we think we're going to go to like something otherworldly, but it's like heartfulness isn't about that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, no, I-, I just want to be like encouraging of like all of us start. we wherever we're at day to day. So some days maybe it's harder and it's just like all we can access is a simple, tiny flavor of heartfulness. And other days we feel really lit up with love and like, Oh yeah,
2: let it
0: rip. I, but yeah, not every day it feels like that. <laughs> no, it's, it's gorgeous. And you know, to me, again, it keeps bringing me back to the equation, the heart math of that very, very simple, but very, very profound phrase, which I have been spending decades trying to feel into and to inhabit the best I can. Um, and then I feel like I'm getting incrementally better and better at doing it. But again, it's the ultimate expression of heart-based anti-fragility hurts mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. bothers you less. Mm-hmm. Both of those are true. And either side of that equation can be sort of your, your trigger response, your dead man's switch right yeah. to sort of self-reflect and it, you know so i use the example of like you know sometimes i'll read something or someone will say something that really gets under my skin i'll feel activated and you know the thought that sort of automatically bubbles up is like i want this to bother me less i want mm-hmm. this to bother me less and i'm like oh hey i have a whole heur- <laughs> a whole heuristic of the heart for that right I, yeah. it hurts more bothers you less so if i can tune into that then it the amazing thing is it really does allow you to feel both chambers, right? Yeah, totally. The sensitivity comes online. You know, the sensitivity, can often feel like, you know, when you uh, let yourself be in a dark room for 10 minutes or so, and then, and then suddenly you turn on the lights and everything is just you're so much more sensitive, right? Yeah. That, that to me is sort of a, a consequence of seeking refuge in the heart, it does sensitize. So that thing that was bought, that was, that was upsetting you earlier, it might upset you even more because Mm -hmm. of this anti-fragility that you're developing. And that's sort Mm -hmm. of the, the, you know, it feels like a contradiction, but the experience of it is anything but because you're able to follow that, that trail of pain or anguish or, you know, whatever it is, you're able to follow it to its source, but you're able to hold it. The entire time because it's mm. all taking place within this empty, seamless kind of uh, you know, w- witness consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a detachment, mm. but there's also an immersion, and both are simultaneously it's really good. true. Yeah. In the realization process, we
1: talk uh Judith talks a lot about that attuning to fundamental consciousness. Here we can say mind or consciousness mm-hmm. or love or whatever we want to say. Um, we have deeper contact with ourselves, but also with other folks. And so here, what comes up is like, we can say, am I trying to feel bothered less by creating constrictions within my being, which that's not what we're talking about, right. because that requires ongoing energy that is exhausting. We're also not talking about losing our sense of being and sense of self, like, oh, I'll just let everything in and have no sense of boundaries. Right. So like you were describing just that of like, it's a different attunement to where, we're not worried about like shutting down or being run over or anything like that, et cetera. But there is this openness and natural inclusivity, like natural by on the foundations uh, of reality, you know, that's naturally included and pervading all Mm. of us. Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, it's, it it, it occurs to me, you know, as we were saying earlier that um, mind differentiates and heart integrates. I think the flip side of that is, a mind that is not aligned with heart can produce sort of a uh, naive wisdom, mm-hmm. right? And then a heart that is unaligned with mind can produce idiot. Both of those are
1: true. And, and now you said that makes me think that, you know, mind can easily throw up blocks, you yes. know, based off of that heart can, can unconsciously merge, mm. which is a very usually a lot of heart types or spiritual sensitive types can do that. I've experienced yeah. that, you know? So then we're not talking about, I, the, the two things you mentioned or what we're talking about here, but these are all, but here, when we're working with our own experience, we're going to face, face all these things. So like all of us are going to have obstacles and challenges. So that's heartful. Just recognize that and be like, okay, okay. So here we're laying out like, Hey, what's some of the positive of all of this stuff. And then what are, what are the potential obstacles, you know, Um, to it and that's what we work with in practice that's right you know i also wanted to say something that came up um and i know you're gonna play rolly's videos but just in general like the distinction a lot of times what happens in buddhism is like a formal practice you sit down you do something and it can be really infused with heartfulness like Mm -hmm. uh compassion practice and and everything about, you know, the imagery is about compassion, you know, all the eyes, all the arms reaching out to suffering. And it's all about that. But then there's like a whole, whole different kinds of path of heartfulness that is like the most full on to me. And that's like, not, it's not outside of life. It's not even formal practice. It's like full on in relational, like that's where it happens, you know? And I kind of made, when we sit down and work with mind, we don't have so much of a problem like saying like, oh man, look how crazy my mind is. Look at all the thoughts like all the problems of of, of mind doesn't stop us from working with it right mm-hmm. but like with heartfulness heartfulness shows up the most in relationship i mean we're relational yeah. beings but we got i, I got to cultivate that over here and not in the world and i just recognize and respect a lot of for those people who take that path where like yes. they cultivate heartfulness in the world and it doesn't mean that right where they are they're like experiencing all the most beautiful heartfulness <laughs> that could be but that's where they go and do it and so like you see like like in contemplative christianity of the stories of christ you know like it's much more in it you know not enough. i first may prepare and then later um and other other towering figures who were uh, uh people of service you know mm-hmm. So there's even something to look at like in all the ways in which we work for heartfulness. A lot of times in modern mm-hmm. society, like there's a lot of wisdom to, def- by default, like being trauma informed of like having very safe space to first do that, like protected, safe room for therapy, for formal practice, you know, because trying to do something outside of it is too difficult and mm-hmm. respect that. But I also know that like, Hey, I haven't walked a path that I've seen of these tremendous towering figures as towering as like the Buddha in, in Buddhism of like, but so much, just in the muck heartfulness i know there's stories of the buddha doing all these things but come on <laughs> the emphasis is just different that's the different flavors
0: that's right you know, that's like right we, traditions we often talk about that the difference for example between a christian sense of love yeah and a buddhist sense of compassion they're yeah. similar in, in in certain important ways and they're Definitely. also very distinct from each other in very important ways we'll, if you just look at the look at the imagery and and you get you'll yeah. get that, even traditional imagery you just look at it and it's like
1: both amazing but like one they just feel different
0: yeah well the, the the one thing you know as you're talking the the sort of thought that bubbled up for me is that it is so much easier for us to be brave with our minds yeah. right right compared to, see that's compared what i mean to being, yeah, compared to being brave with our hearts i mean you, we can look at the exact Ukraine thing that's happening right now everyone i know has a a a virtually fully formed perspective and an opinion (laughs) on what's going on with Ukraine, who's to blame, who, you know what I mean? And yet I I continue to ask myself how many of, how many of us have done the uncomfortable work of actually letting this into our hearts. It's one thing to like come up (laughs) with like your views and like your perspectives on what's going on and all that. But how much of this suffering have you allowed yourself to actually the inhabit, that's the difference Swing in that's the and difference most of us have a sort of a threshold beyond which it's very very difficult mm-hmm. to go past and that's right? what we work
1: with that's the boundaries to the open heart that's what we work with but that's the distinction yeah and i can say like uh i have in a few of my training groups right now um a few russians in there who mm-hmm. uh, not living there but i can tell you like what they were feeling and like me coming up like to think like the response is like, let me give some sort of mind response. Is just like, no, nah, this is, doesn't make sense at all. It's just like, no, uh, whatever way I can be with the suffering, you know, and f- try to feel it. And, and, and also feel confused. If you'll yeah. be like, I have no idea what to say about this. How the hell should I know, you know? And that's difficult, but I can feel the love and the, you know, compassion, uh, Yeah, at least a little. Yeah. But that's
0: big distinction. Yeah. yeah, well, just just a quick example, you know. This past week, um, we released four episodes of Daily Evolver talking about Ukraine. Mm. Right, that, that Jeff and I had one of those conversations, and it's it's almost again, it's almost easy to th- well, here's what I think about it. Here's sort of the stages as I see. Here's mm. how it plays out in the quadrants, and mm. you know that 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 conversation is is so much easier to have than the one that Nomali did. No, so mm. Nomali right in the middle. So Jeff, you know, there's three sort of mind you know three very mental yeah. conversations about it yeah. where we're sort of like here's you know what we think about it here's how we scaffold it intellectually and then there's no doing a len practice right in the middle of this presentation and extending loving awareness to well yeah. vladimir putin for example right that is uncomfortable and yeah. that is the entire freaking point you know as ken says you know, one of the things that really um, prompted his own non-dual awakening (laughs) was when one of his teachers said, you know, non-duality includes things like the hole in the ozone layer. It Mm. includes things like children's hospitals getting bombed. Mm. It includes all of that has to be included. Otherwise, how non-dual is your heart, right? Mm. Otherwise, you're creating a duality. If it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm I have a non-dual relationship with everything except for those things, because those things are terrible and we want to get rid of terrible things. Well, no, there's an always already acceptance, but the second beat of that acceptance is everything is perfect exactly as it is. And that's why I need to put more effort into making things better. And again, that is not a contradiction.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and for me, like like letting go into what a non-dual teaching or practice to point at is like that deeply letting go that everything is arising out of the same reality mm. and like and like it, there's nothing excluded automatically out of that reality not there's not a, a will or choice or anything like that everything is arising out of it. now sometimes that'll be said as everything is arising there's nothing outside of a mind i've been reading long the that translation there nothing's outside of awakened mind so there's that, that sense of like radicality you know of 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 resting that as this, which can be talked about as spaciousness, everything is arising in that. So there's just no mm-hmm. way to, there's no way to actually throw something outside of this reality that we're all part of. And then resting as that, that recognition. And so then that, that's just pointing, but it's just like, okay, resting as that vastness, everything's included. And then if that drops in, there's heartfulness to mm-hmm. me. And then it's like, oh, well, if everything's included in this beyond choice, okay yeah well then how to love that or that you know situation that person what's needed um but i think i you know something like putin or for me uh, the example was trump (laughs) a Mm -hmm. lot of times Mm -hmm. but the thing is is like that kind of love there is like may he be truly happy and what that would mean is that the suffering that arises within that person or is caused would diminish because that's the happiness I'm, I'm wishing for. I'm not wishing for some relative happiness or like, you know, a happiness of a diluted happiness, you know? So that's different, you know, but like, that can be a real difficult practice of, of that distinguishing, you know, of absolute kind of love versus like, Hey, do I want to be best friends with Putin? You know, no, I don't personally want that, but to be like, may he be liberated <laughs> from right. suffering. May we all be liberated from delusion and suffering. would be good because we're all part of the same
0: reality yeah yeah well as ken says you know uh if you see hitler on the street the most wise and compassionate thing you could possibly do is put a bullet in his head i mean yeah (laughs) sit with that contradiction you're right i mean it's it's, Mm -hmm. it's 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 uh this timeless sort of um battle between good and evil that continues to take place in our own hearts. And in fact, in our, our non-dual hearts, and sometimes the ultimate expression of love that ah, can look violent sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and then this is where you get into really
1: difficult choices. And that's when you start invoking a lot of other things like growing up and cleaning up that's because right. those two for sure impact greatly. Like what kind of decisions we make individually and collectively. Yeah. I just want to say like, you know, I see a comment here and that was probably made before I said what I was gonna say, but that's this is a very important distinction. What I said there is like, if everything is included in awareness, automatically beyond choice, and everything is included in reality, automatically beyond choice, and we are made of that reality, and I'm just saying things, but we can experience this directly, then there is zero harm in wishing uh, for somebody to be liberated of their suffering, again, because that would mean <laughs> there would be a significant change in behavior now we there are people would say well does that do actually do anything for me sitting here wishing somebody who's deluded and causing harm does that do anything to out, outwardly i don't know people have will have different kind of things opinions about that it's rational takes and non-ordinary takes things like that but it definitely changes the breadth and depth and space in which i can bring to then the relative decisions mm. like there's something important about uh, the, the more that i cannot lose contact with that that vastness, it makes I think our response is wiser and better. So in the in the relative world, you know, so someone's here like, oh, why send loving awareness to Putin and better to, you know, uh, leave alleviate present material suffering? Like, yeah, for sure. Okay, we can make decisions about that. Now if I were a person who was right immediately there, it's like would I be spending my time hold on, hold on. I'm going to be meditating here for a little bit. Like, no, that wouldn't be the appropriate response. to right. would be like, that's silly. It's like, no, there needs to be action taken. But that's another thing that we feel with the heartfulness is like, what can each of us actually do in, in, in any moment relative to any of the myriad of situations, the crises? And sometimes the answer is not much, and that can hurt too. But what do we do if we don't recognize the not much, you know, then that causes fragmentation and kind of dilutes our energy and, and the humbling fact that, well, sometimes maybe the only thing we can do is love the people around us and do something kind to a stranger you know or whatever um but yeah so again we're talking about the difference between like this absolute ultimate heart and accessing that which is unchanging you know yep ever present and then like what are we choosing to do in the world you know get right. that and this like you said earlier idiot compassion, idiot compassion would be like ah let's all spend time meditating versus like trying to send aid, you know, or or to suffering people or refugees and things like that. That's a confusion of these two. But the other way is to like, consider them totally separate, which then turns into spiritual
0: bypassing or
1: cuts us off from the source of being
0: ground of being. When it creates a shadow in the heart, right. And that shadow of the heart is where things like hatred start to get generated And I think it's important to, you know, again, a a cliche, but the reason why it's cliche is it's because it's timelessly true. The opposite of love is not hate, it's fear, Mm. right? And I think Mm. that that comes in, we're we're able to sort of push hate out of our hearts by extending and expanding our hearts. Now, again, that doesn't mean, as you're saying, that doesn't mean that we just sort of like fall into total acceptance of everything it's like oh well people do have to die eventually and you know there's nothing yeah. to be done here but the, the idea is to drive hate from your heart so that you can find more skillful actions yeah. right yeah. that are going to actually reduce the most amount of yeah, suffering really, for the most amount of people
1: yeah you, you said it. yeah like And so if we go to Buddhism and like the kind of like engine of, of actions, you know, attachment, aversion and indifference, which can then take different flavors, like aversion could be fear or anger. But if we say for a minute, Hey, can I access and rest for a moment in a, in being that isn't driven continually by these three? Okay. Now our first response if we're not actually in that would be like, Oh, that means I'm going to check out because that's how normally we're engaged. And that's a normal thing, actually. Like in relative life, we're gonna like certain food and not like certain food. Like the goal of spiritual practice isn't to be like, I eat all kinds of foods and I don't have my personal taste. No, no, no. But we might think that, we might think, oh, we're gonna accept everything and we're not going to do anything about the situations. But no, like I would just invite as an inquiry of saying like, okay, when I rest without being driven, those things might arise, but when I'm not being as driven by those, how now, what is needed? How do I respond? And it might be very surprising that we're still present, we're still responsive. We don't just disappear. That's right. And if we do disappear, that's a that's another action that we're maintaining. It's like mm-hmm. that's another way we close down. But now we also talk about all these things ideally, you know. And again, it goes back to practice that, like, yeah, that's shit's gonna happen. We're gonna be closed down, you know, we're gonna some have good days where we feel open-hearted and other days we don't. But all the things we're talking about here can just, I feel, point us to what needs. Our attention and what mm-hmm. needs work and then how especially with the heart does it translate into the world yes and yeah so
2: edward
0: asks uh, another question which i feel like is actually a nice um segue into uh the video i want to show so he asks uh does yeah, sure. mr rogers uh does his phrase look for the helpers apply to the Ukraine situation. I think absolutely. I, I think when Mr. Rod, I think that was in response to 9-11, when 9-11 happened, or maybe it was a school shooting. I don't know, Jesus. There's just so many Almost right, to know. choose from. But one of these things happened and that was uh, what Fred Rogers, who I consider uh, a 20th century, a very real 20th century saint. Or yeah, a, you talk or about Hata. heartfulness. I mean, that that man <laughs> brought it. That man brought yeah. it. I mean, and in fact, you know, before I get too far into it, I invite people. There's a video on YouTube that is absolutely heart melting. Yeah, and uh, it's a video of of Fred Rogers talking to Congress yeah. about uh, funding. I think it was funding PBS, right? Yeah, and he's talking yeah. to a conservative uh, senator or representative. I, I can't remember who it was. Who was very sort of you know anti funding. Yeah. I mean their their yeah. decision was not to fund uh, PBS, and Mr. Rogers just gives this speech. This I mean it's something yeah. that you do not see in. No the political sphere today. It's at amazing. All. It's amazing. And you actually watch this senator's his entire disposition changes. Yes. You see his heart melt. I mean, it's yes. like it's like the Grinch who stole Christmas, or something. You know what I mean? You it see was, this transition with him because of Fred Rogers' <laughs> transmission. I'm glad you brought that up. Pure heart. Pure heart.
1: Know that there's something deep
3: inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man.
2: I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Looks like you just earned the $20 million. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's so amazing, yeah. I'm glad that got brought up because uh, I'd say a hundred percent just watch Mr. Rogers videos, watch that. That's especially that's in the world, right? Happening at Congress. He is just radiating heartfulness, you know, in that flavor and that moment too, especially in politics. It's like sitting so there doing double take what a person was influenced by another person's heartfulness and had the fluidity to change their mind. It was just like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with my cynicism now? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I got like, nowhere to put my cynicism. <sighs>
1: yeah oh, magical <laughs> yeah
0: no it was really magic and in mr rogers is part of that you know there was this sort of uh this this um surge of of i don't know i'll just call it purity that happened yeah. in, the, in the 70s and the 80s and i include mr rogers with like jim henson yeah uh, bob ross yeah um, you know all of these people yeah. who actually taught me how to sort of reclaim my own heart, how to be a good person, not just how to be a good person, but why you would wanna be a good person in the first place.
1: You know, and I think totally like all those people you mentioned, and again, it can be deceptive because it can look so simple, especially because a lot of it dealt with kids. Right. Yeah. And so again, we can be like, Oh, it's simple. No, no, we need to look for something bigger. It's like, no, we don't like that. Love is big, you know, and I'll take, I'll take it any day of the week. That's good practice. Just watching some Mr. Rogers.
0: (laughs) And and the reason why I frame this as a good segue is because now I'm going to play a video from a conversation. I had a short clip from a conversation I had with uh, one of my he's been one of my closest friends for decades, Roly Stanich. Super hard for, um, me. And for And for those who don't know him, uh, Roly Stanich wrote a book that speaks directly to what we're talking about, Integral Christianity, The Way of Embodied Love. Uh, absolutely fantastic, beautifully written book. Roly really um, poured himself into, into this book. So I encourage people to check it out. Um, but for me, Roly has played sort of that role, that Mr. Rogers role in my own life. He's always been sort of uh an angel on my shoulder and i think sometimes i've been a devil on his um mm-hmm. which i actually quite enjoy um but yeah roly is is uh he, one of the most beautiful and beautifully realized people that i have the pleasure of knowing and i want to play this uh short clip with him where we're talking about what it means to inhabit the integral heart from his point of view what does it mean to inhabit an integral heart
3: well, great question. And um, you know the first thing I would say is those are all important words.
2: Mm.
3: inhabit, integral heart. and i I love the inhabit series. You know, I always come back to this this scene from Dead Poet Society way back. You know, but the these guys are getting together in this cave in the honor of their prof and reading poetry to each other and just kind of having fun and giggling and all that. And finally, the one guy says, Hey guys are we just playing around here or what you know so we can easily do that with any spirituality we can easily do that with integral you know so inhabit is like dude i'm here Mm -hmm. i'm embodied these are words to live by but they're not just words they're words to live by so i've got to live by them i've got to put everything on the line for this so i love the whole inhabit series and you know you guys are inhabiting everything and that's life you know because we blink and we're gone so Mm. So how can we, how can we do what? Um, it's one of my my most profound moments with Ken. Um, just a little backstory, but I got in trouble. You know, I used to say, "Man, if you kill Ken, you you have some real karma on you." You know, so <laughs> we were stressed out about some website thing, and I was feeling really down. And he says, "You know what? Come to the loft tomorrow, and we'll we'll figure this thing out." So I came to the loft, and. In, his, in about five minutes, he brought me from kind of being in, in some pieces to complete non-dual realization, mm-hmm. pointing out, and I was right there, and he saw it, and he said to me, fill this place with you. It's amazing. That was his injunction once he saw the state I was in. But, you know, frankly, this is how we're going to fill this place with, with us, it's the only way it, it, it's by our embodiedness and uh, so when I wrote my book last year, it's the way of embodied love. It's always the way of love to me, but what does that mean? You know if you're just kind of sitting thinking about it, um, it doesn't mean anything unless you can touch unless you can feel unless you can understand unless you can relate so so I love the idea of inhabiting and inhabiting the heart you know that's that's what I want to be all about mm. and you know, I, I, I see all the ways I fall short. My chapter seven is kind of a self-diagnosis. It's like, a, <laughs> here's what not to do. <laughs> um, you know, so but you know, I, I I had I had to to write what I wrote because I hadn't yet. Mm. You know, I, I pressed send fourteen years after Ken invited me to the same email. I replied. <laughs> 14 years later and and, you know so um, that was my way of being embodied is to to take what a little the little that I know of the heart and to put it on paper so so the heart is hugely important to me and we'll definitely get into that but integral you know integral can make everything shine it can give us this this amazing scope and range on what that heart is and certainly what I what I found is in the framing for what I've written is that heart means different things. You know, we, have a, we have a gross and a subtle and a causal heart and they're each very distinct and each hugely important, but it's, it's the integral that would let us know that we have heart going this way. And we actually have heart going this way too, top to bottom, you know? and so what we're called to be is left to right and top to bottom heart. And the heart is what's at the very center of all that So, you know, and again, we'll get into this a little bit more, but, but the heart is absolutely central in every way. Um, And that's what I've come to come to know Mm. and um, longing to embody. And in fact, my contention is that, that the path of love, the path of embodied love is like in the gospel of Thomas, realize the kingdom of heaven within the kingdom is within and the kingdom is without. But once we realize the kingdom within, then we we may notice that the kingdom without doesn't seem to be the kingdom. You know, it, it's a mess. I mean, this very day, you know, a maternity ward yesterday was bombed. you know, so so it doesn't feel like the kingdom without. but love is is what crosses the gap.
2: Mm.
3: you know and and in some some ways, we're called to fashion this world without in the beautiful image of, of the kingdom that we realize within. So this is the kingdom within, and this is the new earth without. And where we see the gap, that's where love comes in to, to bridge the gap. And the only way you can bridge that gap is with embodiment. you know. And so in those beautiful uh, beautiful German films, Far Away So Close and uh, Wings of Desire, it, it's what the angels long for, is this embodiedness that, that we have. know so so in a sense um not even can god can do what we can do or maybe better god can do what needs done in this place only through us and this place is the majestic meeting of heaven and earth it's not at the end of my life which is how i was raised you know that's when heaven is at the end of my life it's sometime Mm -hmm. out in the future and it's not some other place either heaven and earth meet right here. That's Abraham Joshua Heschel, amazing, amazing rabbi. Heaven and earth meet precisely in the human heart, precisely there. And they're like the the cords, you know, the the knot that's in a curtain, that's what the human heart is. Mm. And so, you know, this is the place where we become heaven, but we embody that on earth and um, we can very easily be disembodied you know and that's that's a spiritual temptation um and then avoid this place because it can be unpleasant it's it's a hard place but when i really thought about it you know my my hero christ the man jesus who recognized his christhood he leapt straight in mm. to this place yeah, and and just, you know, he'd been planning, let's have a retreat next year, going to block out six weeks, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, he just went into a town. He was Kairos. He went into a town and everything unfolded. You know, so he went right into the heart of suffering. That for me is is a proof of his non-duality. He just went straight to the heart of suffering and was love in, in the presence of that suffering. And so if we're to follow in his footsteps, follow, you know, follow me. Um, that means launching ourselves into the heart of suffering, launching ourselves into this embodied life and and filling this place with us with the love that we've we've come to know. So so, yeah, embody or inhabit an integral heart, all three terms super important. you need you need them all. and uh, and I love the inhabit series because that's what that's what we're doing here. That's why we we came for this century, if we're lucky, you know, that's why we came. And, um, it's, it's about realizing the heart and then embodying that, that realization best you can.
0: Gorgeous. I love that, man. I've got another clip from him yeah. that I'll also play, um, at the end of the show, just to kind of close this out. Uh, and that's a really great clip too, because he, he's actually yeah. speaking to, uh, you know, some of the differences we were talking about yeah. just a minute ago, Ryan, between compassion, for example, in the Buddhist tradition and love in, in the Christian tradition. And this is why I actually love taking sort of a multi-lineage look at this because we know that the anatomy of spirituality is such that like you know we have these these mystics who start a tradition and they all have sort of the same spiritual anatomy just like we all have the same number of bones in our body we all have the same access to the different kinds of states of consciousness for example and similar forms of awakening but those forms of awakening look very different from one Mm -hmm. cultural context to another you know based on the histories of the region and etc so certain things Mm -hmm. get emphasized other things get de-emphasized and then at the end of the day it makes it look like oh these traditions are all sort of contradicting each other and you know how can we talk about an integrated sort of you know uh, view of religion when everyone is kind of pulling apart in all these different ways and i think when whenever i hear folks like roly talk It just, it's like everything you're saying reminds me of everything I love about esoteric Buddhism, for example, Mm. it's just, it's just different words for the same phenomena, for the same realities, for the same states of consciousness. It just has a sort of different twist to it. And I think that offering that sort of different view, that different framing helps unlock something for me within my own heart. I'm able to sort of grok this a little bit, you know, I'm able to receive the transmission yeah. a little bit better yeah
1: i think like he embodies everything he was talking about and and mm. transmits that like what we've been trying to point to of like what's this qualitatively it's it's a bit different to practice in a really heartful way and to be in the heart and i like yeah you just look at the story of of jesus and and the imagery of jesus and what do you say the free left or went right into the heart of suffering i can't remember the phrase he used mm-hmm. but the heart of let go right into the heart of suffering it's like that's very tangible and very specific that just yeah it's like okay mm. how do i feel about that like if you hear that kind of practice and that way of being it's like ooh, yeah you know yeah. Um, <laughs> how many of us are ready and, and willing to do that sometimes we have that you know day-to-day there could be moments where, like i'm gonna leap into this suffering right here you know but as that to make that your path
2: <laughs>
1: yeah
0: Big no time. and that's always been one of the things that i've really admired about you know particularly the really um, embodied and awakened Christian mystics and teachers is exactly that. It's that willingness not to sort of hold suffering at an arm's length. Like, you know, I'm going, I'm going to witness suffering. There's something about the, 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 the Christian framing of love where it's just like, no hesitation, jump in. Right. That is, that's, that is your purpose. That's a big deal. Like splash in there as fully as you possibly can and deal with that suffering
1: funny. hands-on exactly you put it well and to me so you know i've come from a lot soak and soak there's pointing out instructions so it's like go right from the beginning to the nature of mind right like point it out it's similar it's like heartfulness mm. like no hesitation go right into the heart of suffering it's mm-hmm. like woo, you know and we may find that we're not able to stay there but then that's again it's like the path
2: that's you right.
1: know i think i think he said and there was really good it captured i think even better something we were trying to talk about but said uh god can do what needs to be done in the world through us Mm -hmm. which if we're using this god i like I, i used to write poetry using god even though i come from buddhism and don't have a christian background but like like the ultimate you know absolute doing what needs to be done through us so it integrates it's it's uh that's non-dual you know Mm -hmm. and so that god is that recognition of everything is included automatically so like that kind of loving awareness is one thing but then what needs to be done through us specifically in the world we have to be engaged yeah responsive so he put i love that he put that very simply and directly
0: yeah he's 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 very eloquent when he when he talks about these things um yeah and for me you know that that the other you know um Benefit of the Christian tradition, which is which is how I grew up. I gr- I grew up in sort of a
2: mm.
0: you know going to Sunday school with my grandma and mm. the Protestant right. tradition. So a lot of this stuff was you know this was my own kind of mythological mm. background, and um, and I got you know as as a lot of people do. I got kind of burnt out on that. And, you know, and I often sort of frame this trajectory that we take where we start off with an exoteric form of a religion or a spiritual path. And we can, you know, the exoteric stuff isn't very appealing to us. It's all the dogmas and the rituals and the belief systems and, and so forth. And then we get turned on to something exotic. Like for me in college, I started getting turned on to Buddhism, Uh which led me into the esoteric right? Okay, now I'm starting to see sort of this tradition from the inside out, I'm starting to see the universality of these teachings, which then allows me to come back home to the tradition of my youth, in this case, Christianity, informed Mm. by sort of all the other, you know, explorations I've done into into other lineages. So that Mm -hmm. path from exoteric to exotic, to esoteric, to sort of a coming home, that's been a a palpable one for Mm. me. And one of the things that that you know, uh, folks like Roly, folks like Father Thomas Keating, folks like Paul Smith. One of the things that they have, one of the gifts that I feel like they've brought to my life is, I feel like they've given me. It's, it's funny to say it in these terms, but almost permission to invoke God in second person again. Yeah, no, you know? I know. right, right, right. Which right. is which is huge. And I remember, you know, a, a powerful experience I had was at one of our. We actually had a a heart of of, of Christ consciousness. Um, event several years ago and when paul smith was talking he invited us all to you know sort of put down for a moment our our cynicism our skepticism and allow ourselves the vulnerability to simply ask for help to just ask for help Hmm. right like jesus can you help me please or even god can you help me please yeah and when we had this event this was when i was like really um dealing with a lot of trauma from my daughter's uh, Mm. medical scare. She she had a liver transplant. That was, that was one of the most tenderizing places Mm -hmm. I've ever been. And I felt Mm. alone with it. You know, I mean, I, Mm. yeah, I had a whole community of people supporting me and yet I felt alone and I felt Mm. isolated and I felt like I, I just, Mm. I don't have the strength to carry this anymore and I need Mm -hmm. some help carrying this. So I, I did what Paul asked. I, I set down sort of my skepticism, you know, the silliness. So I did, it. I did the practice and I did it as authentically as I could. Mm. And I had an experience. That's all I can say is I had an experience. Um, Something showed up for me. There was a, there was a presence that showed up for me that I could feel within my heart. And for the first time in a long time, I felt like the weight I was carrying was just a little bit lighter, Mm. even if just for that moment. But that Mm. was that moment was a blessing and Mm. i feel like that experience which may have been a state experience whatever happens to me jan says Mm. the Holy spirit that's that's Mm. you know certainly Mm. interpretation that paul smith gave um yeah ken wilbur himself gives Mm. um but there was something about just the sacredness of that of Mm. being able to relate to this impersonal a universe that feels impersonal when you are isolated mm-hmm. in your own first person perspective right yeah that's what losing the second person i think does to us and yeah. it, does it affect our relationships with each other but it right. affects our relationship with with ourselves and with the universe and as yeah. roly so eloquently points out the heart is the intersection point between heaven and earth or we might even say the intersection point between all four quadrants it's where all the stages that have developed within us so far can be sort of folded together this all takes place within the heart and for me to be able to extend my heart and to ask what previously felt to me like an invisible friend for help suddenly made me realize how important invisible friends actually are yeah. And, and how much liberation I was able to feel in that moment, just by saying, please help. It was just those words, please help. And, um, and again, I felt something, it was, it was an authentic yeah. experience and that beautiful has lingered with me. And I feel like one of the results of that is it's given me more permission yeah. to, um, to interact with God, with spirit yeah. um, in the form of Christ or, or any other form. Yeah. In a very sincere and authentic way and that's, that's kind of blessing to me oh, um, that's really yeah.
1: awesome that's really cool i didn't hadn't heard that story from you yeah that's uh, really beautiful well you know it makes me think too that um i think this is the reason why i gravitated towards in poetry to other language that didn't exist in buddhism is because there are certain words and descriptors and ways of talking about all of this that exist in something like contemplative christianity that are just better they're more descriptive mm. for mm. the experience so for example grace like what a beautiful mm. word yeah. that is very descriptive that is totally if, if we really look at it, is totally in line with for example a tradition like buddhism yeah. it's just going to use different words and different ways of describing it but the experience of spirit or grace or surrender these kinds of things uh opening up in second person really powerful and that exists over there in you know various ways and languages like with deity practices things like that but oh man it hits so much deeper for me using words like that yeah. spirit or grace or god and i also find well, not just my experience but we're, for example we use um the phases of insight as one model to describe kind of like a cyclical process stage but also cyclical in, in awakening And one of those stages is disillusionment, or it could be the dark night of the soul. And that Mm -hmm. can have a lot of forms. It can just be like a relative funk, or it could be a profoundly heart cracking experience like what you described. And it seems almost inevitably, like to make it through that phase, there has to be some sense of surrender, some sense of letting go, (laughs) giving up, but like not a not a falling away, but like a giving up of our own, like the recognition of our, the limitation of our own control and how so much is not in our own power and how much is given by reality itself, you know? And so like creating a second person practice with it is super turbocharged, I think, in a lot of ways. And so I, I find people often find themselves at some flavor of that. So to me, even better if there's a form of practice that explicitly embraces it that I can lean into.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, totally. Well, and, you know, one of the results that I've noticed is that I've added uh, prayer to my sort of tool bag of, of spiritual yeah. practices that yeah. I call back on. There's, there's, Love there's meditation in first person, there's prayer yeah. in second person, there's contemplation in third person mm. and being able to weave these three different approaches together has been um, well, for me, in my experience, it's been, it's been, beautiful that's wonderful sometimes yeah. agonizing right because mm-hmm. you, when you're weaving For sure. together you, you if your heart is broken well you know, it might bother you less but it hurts a whole lot more yeah. and you're more present to that i mean i'm feeling enormous heartbreak these days just trying to stay present with what's happening in the world and what's happening yeah. in ukraine and yeah. elsewhere i mean yep. there's no shortage of human suffering and it will break your heart into a million pieces if you let it And by the way, you should let it, you should let it break your heart because it's breaking you open to a, a, a that's what wants
1: to happen. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's not the like shutting if that in a very simple way, for example, um, Judith Blackston will talk about like with crying, like if we stop ourselves from crying, like crying wants to happen, but we engage muscles actually in the eyes, you know, to stop from crying. So the crying wants to happen, the sadness wants to happen, or the heartbreak wants to happen, but we find a way to say,
2: nope. Yeah,
1: Bill really? Burr yeah. has a great bit over there where he talked about how to even give away his uh, dog of many years, a pit bull, that just was overly problematic. They're going to have a baby. And his wife processed it over time leading up to the day they were giving the dog away. And she was crying and he was crying in the bathroom and he was just getting angry. She's like, why is she processing that in a normal way? while Why does she just push it all down. Like I do, you know? And then he says, eventually, like he had a moment after the dog left where he just bawled for like a second. And then he's like, put the lid on it, yep. <laughs> you know? And uh, so it was a really a funny way of, of saying like, we have to stop the heartbreak. So if it's a heartbreak that wants to arise, it's happening. Then like, how can we let that be again, very different for, there are some people who are heart super heart oriented. And so sometimes there's just a, it's a unconscious reactivity thing to engage in crying or, to Mm -hmm. feel like a mess. And that what's needed there is embodied groundedness or the spaciousness of awareness. But, you know, if we're experiencing shutting it down, then that's like, yeah, let it break your heart.
0: It's already done that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's already done that. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't, and if you don't find some channel for this, uh, it's going to result in an eruption (laughs) one way or the other. And chances are that eruption is not going to be pleasant uh, for you or anyone in your yeah <laughs> in your zone of in your yeah. radioactive zone
1: yeah and you know and, and i guess just to reiterate that like a couple of things that we can do with that heartfulness as we're letting it because that's the other thing like we may not be ready you know like it can be too much just like let it rip you know mm-hmm. but there's the groundedness so physical you know body like groundedness of feeling what we're sitting on the earth you know so let the earth hold the heartbreak and the vastness of mind the spaciousness there's so much room for it like there's plenty of room for it to come up so like for me combining those two can help that heart you know the heart Mm. make move
0: that seems particularly important for people who are dealing with trauma because oftentimes trauma is coming from a necessary coping strategy in the moment we have to recognize i have to suppress this like i I have no choice. If I let myself feel all of this right now, something really bad could happen, right? I won't get myself out of danger or what have you. And, you know, and that was, that was the case for us when we were dealing with the traumas I was talking about earlier. I just didn't have, I had to put one foot in front of the other. I had to find this strength and this resolve. And as a result, after sort of, you know, we were done with all that and it was like, okay, time to process that. Well, surprise, surprise, that stuff wasn't very available for me to process. Yeah. It was still in there, but it was so submerged that I couldn't no reach in and pull it out. No, right, Got
1: to respect that.
0: So, so it got to the point where it's was like, okay, I need to find a way <clears throat> to let some of this pressure out when it needs to be. And I love that you're talking about the Bill Burr yeah. crying story. Because for me, that yeah. was my practice for a good six <laughs> or seven years is I was just noticed that like little things would make me want to cry. Yeah, right. Little, I'd watch some stupid commercial and just—it's like a cliche, right? But I'd watch some little stupid commercial and it's like something in me would want to cry. And typically, I'd be like, "That's dumb. Don't you're being sentimentally sloppy and just kind of like was it Dumb and Dumber that they're watching in the hotel? They're watching
1: some like commercial.
0: (laughs) That's right. Just (laughs) rein it in, buddy. (laughs) And I had to give my myself permission. I said, "No, fucking every time this happens, push. Don't pull it in." push it out. Use this as an opportunity. You're going to get some stuff out because of this stupid commercial or TV show yeah, or, whatever, or a song, yeah, whatever totally. it is, that is a little opening. And I'm going to right now, I'm going to push as much through as I possibly can. Yeah. And that became sort of my, my PTSD practice. Like, okay, yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to get this out somehow. So I'm going to watch, I don't know, what yeah. dreams may come and force myself to cry yeah. because that's good, that's going to help me metabolize some of this stuff
1: yeah absolutely that points more back to the, what's this practice of heartfulness like you know so it's like all those things are part of it too because that's like try whether we label it trauma or not like that's what can happen we can have certain habitual patterns that we can't just like pull the rug out you know on them and so we find ways a little bit over time of like how to how to work with that how to liberate that how to Reclaim the heart, you know, and let it experience what it's experiencing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, Jan says it's harder for men because of ego. I, I you know, Jan, I'm going to say it's actually harder for men, not because of ego necessarily, but because of the ways that our culture tells us to reinforce our egos as men. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that can oh. be challenging.
1: <laughs> I would say everybody has an ego. So, like, including very heartful types who will deal with the opposite of overreactivity emotionally, yeah. need need the spaciousness of awareness. So everybody has egoic activity. It shows up differently. And so yeah, masculinity in, in you know, at least in the United States, uh, you know, is uh, yeah, you're shown to be that. But like, for example, I'm, i remember being when I was a really, really little boy, very easily cried like a, mm-hmm. a lot of things and then learned how to like, mm-hmm. you know. Up. so um yeah i was you know, I, it gets was reinforced through a, the systems yeah
0: i was also a hypersensitive child who um you know probably had a lot of that shamed out of me honestly um oh yeah it was very adolescent. efficient yeah Beautiful.
1: for for that stuff right yeah 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 totally
0: and that's another thing about the heart it's another point of intersection um between masculine and, and feminine
1: but that would be for me like if we're going to pick out a couple of like standard go-to reactive patterns want to be like either shutting it down like blocking putting a lid on it or it's the unconscious merging with relationships and environments where where a person so that would be more tends to be if we're going to say masculine and feminine that would be a more feminine that would be the feminine
0: that, pathology that's right the
1: merging with it where a person feels lost and overwhelmed in that and so it could be a whole different thing of being like wait a minute if i if i don't do that i'm not connected with that person anymore right. but no 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 it's not true it's just that you're not losing yourself and still feeling that love but it's this is why we have to get into specifics that's right you know we talk sometimes about the absolute which is just like go right for it it's all the same manifesting through all of us but then the specific in the world work you know what Rolly was talking about that intersection you know that's where it's like what is you know it doesn't seem that everybody's just out of the gate great you know wisdom mind and our wisdom heart you know we may be oriented one or the other a little bit more but we all have work to do there and so it's more yeah. of like yeah, for me what's what well, yeah
0: yeah yeah it, it it comes down to that agency and communion polarity yeah. and we can say that masculine energy tends to but not always aligns with agency feminine energy tends to but not always aligns with communion now yeah. that there's also communal men and agentic women and there are people who are 50 50 down the middle but these are yeah. just sort of the tendencies so and this is just, I'm just gonna clean point. that up a little bit in case it's a starting point like, are you point? saying women are yeah, yeah. emotional
1: no 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 I'm... no yeah no that's a starting point and actually for most part for me i don't even go there like i'm working with people because all you have to do is if we feel in right now like just describe your experience where am i at like it'll show our unique mm. constitution the way that we organize ourselves which gets there's some generalities, but it's really unique. And it's not just like this symmetrical thing, you know, nice. like it's I contract here and then up in here. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, in these qualities. So it's just unique. So as long as we'd like say, ah, oh, this is meaningful to me. Let me go into this. We'll find what it is we need to work with. And it doesn't matter if we map out for this kind of thing. It does not matter to me that it maps out to anything. Like this is where only like if there's some maps that helps me open a door into my experience, especially with healing. Great. Other than that, it's like who gives a shit like honestly like in the, in the ground running it's like this particular thing that doesn't matter
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah beautifully said well brother we're an hour and a half into it yep should we uh should we close yeah close out here and yep. again I'll, I'll play i'll play and i've got another clip from rolly that i'm going to play at the very end um i'm so glad that he was able to find the time Yeah. Uh, to record those clips with me and you know we're actually going to be seeing a lot more of rolly i'm, I'm pulling him back into the family after Wonderful. a period of differentiation now is our, our opportunity to reintegrate. So uh, we're going to be doing cool. more with Rolly in uh, the weeks and months to come. So Wonderful. yeah. Ryan, in the meantime, dude, it, it's, it's, it's so awesome to reconnect with you, to, to sit in this integral heart with you. Likewise again, because it's been several months and uh, I yeah. love what we do together. Likewise. I love it too. Love you. Love you as well, my man. All right. To everyone. Great to, uh, have everyone here with us today back again thanks that's for right. being here listening that's right all right let me play this uh last clip with Roly and then i'll i'll close it out thank you everyone for joining us what do we do with the integral heart that is oftentimes sort of lagging behind maybe a stage or two behind our sort of our, our cognitive development for example
3: fantastic yeah yeah spectacular question so so our friend diane is is fond of saying the closest thing to love in buddhism is a vague sense of warmth <laughs> <laughs> I always love that, you know, so um you know it, it can be true in christianity too that that uh people get really caught up in their in their minds you, you know um Verveke talks about one of the one of the really profound ways of knowing is participatory knowing, so mm-hmm. you don't just kind of know about something, you don't know the creed and you can rattle it off and heaven and hell and this and that and this and that but but you actually participate with it, so even in Christianity, you know, uh, again, in, in in writing my book, I talked about putting on the mind of Christ. Yes, you know, and that's stages beautifully, and then you know to inhabit the sacred heart in states. So, mm-hmm. so our growth in, through states and stages is putting on the mind of Christ and also putting on the heart of Christ. You know, and, and being a daring and audacious, but knowing that 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 that's that's the invitation. You know, and we all have this fleshy heart, this gross heart that beats here so beautifully. And then there's the sacred heart. When you look at these amazing icons of Christ, he's pointing to his heart and you can see his heart and it's in the center. He's not pointing to this heart. Right. He's pointing to this sacred heart. So that's the beautiful, subtle, you know, and that's, that's the middle of the chakras. You know, it's where we're having an earth meet that, that amazing sacred heart. But then there's the causal heart, which you don't hear much about, but if it's causal, there's one, Mm. you know, it, 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 it's, it's, we all share this causal heart uh, for certain. And that's something that that, that I've I've now known and lived that, that the moment that heart comes into mind, that's the causal heart we all Mm. participate in. So even in, even in Christianity, there's heart and mind, but, you know, uh, I've sat with you guys many, many times and, and in, in the various sanghas, Um, connected with integral and there's this beautiful east and west mind and heart yeah you know so so uh, so big mind there's always this beautiful reflection that could be big heart and um, the practice that i that i do quite recently there's a difference between meditation and contemplation Mm -hmm. um, and i actually do both you know i meditate in the morning and i contemplate at night Mm. pray at night but even even the meditation you know it's it's about the the way I've come to see it is that we're embodied. So, you know, in some sense, I am my body, but then from some place I have a body and that, that place is mind. So the mind has a body, but then back up again and something like the soul or consciousness has a mind and a body Mm. back up one more time awareness. Awareness has localized consciousness, a soul that has a mind and has a body. And that's so spectacularly empowering because then awareness in a locus of consciousness, in an aperture of consciousness that is Roli or that is Cory, can use this spacious mind and this empowered body to To bring love into the world in a way that I never could, if I was trapped in my mind and knew I had a body but wasn't quite sure what to do with it, mm. or you know, if um, if I was just kind of unaware of everything and just totally in my body in the worst way. To be in my body in the best way is to be awareness that comes through the aperture of Roly and through his his mind, which is the mind of Christ. And through his body and, and his, you know, in his fleshy heart, mm-hmm. which is how he can move and bring love into the world. And how, as we talked about the other day, how spirit can pour into evolution, forms descending, unadulterated, you know, because we're at that moment where spirit is just pouring in as evolution perfectly. So even in, in meditation, it's not just awareness, it's, it's loving awareness. You know, you first come into awareness but the first thing I do with my awareness is be aware of it as, as, as loving awareness as both, not just awareness, but, but loving awareness. And that's the beautiful sparkle of that awareness. There's you know? that, and there's
0: then, that, that vague sense of warmth.
3: There's the, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, what's really cool. Uh, you could, you could bring it up if you like, but um, this amazing icon from Alex Gray, the cosmic Christ, it's astounding, it's mm-hmm. astounding. And uh, every time I look at it, I, I, I get more out of it, but it, it, it's the typical Christ, you know, who's who's pointing at his heart. So he's got his hands held up like this. So it's it's the Trinity and the human and divine nature of Christ. That's Jesus Christ, but that's all Christ, also Christ embodied as Cory or Christ embodied as Roly our human and divine nature and and the trinity and the other hand is pointing to his heart and the heart is the world Mm. being birthed you know from the throat chakra from the virgin mary but the heart is the world and on the meridians of the heart are humans crucified because that's the world we're in again you're seeing it in ukraine humans crucified um and what's also important you know so so you, you see that the upper chakras right you see the you see the crown goes into everything and you you see this amazing third eye and the throat which is virgin mary which gives birth to the world which is christ which is the heart but then the lower chakras you know the the hara the gate um, you know and, and the root and and the second chakra those are where the fire leaps from that then make this ent- an entirely fiery icon you know so the icon is all these panels these perspectives on human living mm. you know on reality but they're all all the panels are are surrounded by flame and the flame is is coming from below so so the heart is is not where i stop because i'm trying to be you know divine it's not that at all it's the beautiful meeting place of heaven and earth and and the earth is entirely empowering for the clarity and, and power of this Christ you know so so love is kind of rising from below and light is descending from above and light and love meet in this this amazing heart so um you know in, in the west we get so good at differentiating that we differentiate a little too much you know so subject object yeah uh, verveki points it out again you know the, the grammar of the west is the greeks and the bible you know and then that comes into subject object And we take it as natural that, yes, I'm the, I'm the subject, you know, or, or I'm the object of the subject or whatever we're thinking, but we've differentiated them so badly that we can't get them back together anymore. And now we're alienated between subject and object. And there's a kind of an infinite distance that we can never, we can never reach through and, and, you know, can never touch and connect again. So in the same way that, we differentiated that too far. We also differentiated heart and mind,
2: mm.
3: you know? So there just is loving awareness. And it's the loving of the awareness that motivates the awareness to pour itself out into manifestation, into Corey, into Rolly, into the big bang. It was the love of the loving awareness that, that said, it's not it's no fun having dinner alone, right? So, mm. uh, So it's really, <clears throat> interesting to see in the West, how we've teased these things so far apart that we can't get them back together, really is just loving awareness. And it really is subject and object are one. And then as Ken said, when i cease being an object, I'm God. And every creature can say that. So, you know, uh, I always love the tandem that uh, Father Thomas would say to be a saint is a good start. (laughs) <laughs> but in the end, become no thing. Right. Put that together with when I cease being an object, I'm God. And now you've got FTK and Ken Wilber, and you've got heart and mind, and, and they're in perfect agreement. You know? And I guess the last thing I'll say on that is uh, well, two things. One is I, I always struggled and, and wondered at this Bodhidharma, you know, the, the emperor wants to impress him because the emperor has been practicing Buddhism. And he's like, hey, Bodhidharma, how am I doing? And, and Bodhidharma's like, well, you know, haven't gotten very far yet. And the emperor's kind of really sad. And, and the emperor says, well, what, what is there? What do you see? And Bodhidharma says, vast emptiness, nothing sacred. And that was always kind of depressing for me. <laughs> you know, Bodhidharma in, in his death, uh, saw reported back Vast emptiness, nothing sacred. But then I realized that's a koan. Vast emptiness, nothing sacred. And then I thought of Father Thomas, and he developed centering prayer. You know, so that's that's precisely loving awareness. Mm-hmm. Just sit in loving awareness. That's centering prayer. Um, and when our mind wanders as as it, it does, you know, you take a sacred word. It's not a, it's not a mantra, but it just brings you back to the loving awareness. It's like love. Now I'm back to loving awareness. Now I rest there until my mind's off again and love. And I'm, I'm back there. But then he realized some people are visual. So, sacred image, you know, I could take this amazing icon of the cosmic Christ. Now I'm back in loving awareness. And then toward the end of his life, what he started meditating on, what became his object, was the sacred nothing. So I was thinking about that sacred nothing, sacred nothing. And Bodhidharma, vast emptiness, nothing sacred. And I realized that's a koan. And Father Thomas solved it, you know, with the sacred nothing. So um, amazing to me, mm. you know, and sacred nothing is again a spacious mind and loving awareness. That's the sacred nothing. So yeah, the last thing I'll say is that you and I, and anybody who had the honor and privilege of sitting with Ken Wilber. Realize that as big as the guy's mind is his heart is too
0: 100 percent,
3: yeah and uh that was that was a secret that you would get when you came to heart to heart with Ken Wilber so it's uh it's indispensable um the integral heart and we we you know we've done well to cultivate that mind and the amazing model and all that but again it doesn't mean anything unless it's it's embodied and lived and you know, we, we recognize the kingdom, queendom within in here, and we see that the world without as a reflection of that. And wherever there's a gap, we we bring love to to Bridget.